This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, this weekend we continue our meditation on the most extraordinary religious sermon ever uttered. The summation of Jesus' teaching and preaching the great Sermon on the Mount. Can I recommend, as we uh, make our way through this sermon, just go back now to those 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of Matthew's Gospel and meditate on the sermon. Take the opportunity to read it in its entirety. What we're getting there is a summary of what Jesus typically taught. As he made his way around the Holy Land 2,000 years ago, this is probably pretty typical of what he taught. And so here's the Word of God speaking to us this word, it behooves us to pay very careful attention to it. Our passage for this weekend is, I would say, the rhetorical high point of the sermon and one of the most challenging pieces of religious teaching on offer anywhere in the spiritual world. Continuing his radicalization of the old teaching, as I mentioned that last week, Jesus doesn't repudiate the old teaching of the prophets, but he radicalizes it. He gets to the roots of it. He intensifies it. So today he says, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. Now, here's a first observation to make. The old teaching, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was a very good thing indeed. Remember, he's come not to abolish but to fulfill the law. The lex talionis, to use the Latin there, was designed to limit violence and to establish some kind of parity or justice. You know, if the old uh, instinct was, you slap me, I'll kill you, well, now we've got an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's trying to get us to some more proportionate, measured response to evil. You know, just uh, last weekend, I saw an ad for uh, that old movie, The Untouchables. And that famous scene where uh, Sean Connery, you know, says to uh, to um, the uh, Kevin Costner playing the police officer, you know, if, if he comes with a knife, you come with a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Well, <laughs> that's what the Lex Talionis was meant to circumvent. It was meant to say we shouldn't have that kind of excessive expression of vengeance, but a more measured one. So it's not a bad thing. But, but, Jesus typically wants to go beyond this point and to radicalize things because he wants not simply justice to prevail, but love. Again, love is not opposed to justice, but it goes beyond it. Love, as I've said over and over, I'll keep saying it as long as I have breath because it's the heart of the matter. Love is willing the good of the other. And that's what Jesus is always about. That's finally what he wants. That's finally what he teaches. 
If love is willing the good of the other, it means that love is not interested in the response of the one who's loved. Love doesn't look for reciprocation, doesn't demand reciprocation, doesn't ask for it. It is not simply benevolence to the one who's benevolent in return. Love is willing the good of the other as other. And that's why love is a participation in God's way of being, since God is love. As Jesus says so powerfully here, he, God, makes his son to rise on the bad and good alike and causes rain to fall on the just and unjust alike. You see why that's such a powerful, important statement. God doesn't measure out his love or demand a response to it. Rather, he loves those who love him, and he loves those who don't love him. He's loving to those who are just. He's loving to those who are unjust. My injustice in response doesn't block his love. We must be, Jesus says, perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And this means we must love with that same abandon. Listen again to what he says. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? See, what good is that? Even the pagans do as much. They're kind to those who are kind to them. The test of it is, do you love those who will not love you? Now, it's in light of this principle that we can begin to understand this radical and counterintuitive teaching about enemy love, which stands at the very heart of this sermon. Do you see first why the love of one's enemy is the greatest test of love? I'm not absolutely sure that I'm willing the good of the other as other until I love those who positively will not love me in return. You see what I'm driving at? If I'm, if I'm just guaranteed this person's not going to reciprocate, this person's my enemy, and yet I want his good, that's the best test of love. But there's more, I think. If love means really wanting the good of the other, it will seek to convert the aggressive person, to lure him into a better spiritual space. See, it won't just resist him or block him. That's part of it. It will try to change him. Someone hates me. Someone's aggressive to me. Someone's violent to me. Someone is disparaging me. Well, I don't want simply to block that or refuse to cooperate it. I actually want to bring that person into a better spiritual space. Gosh, it's hard to do. Do you see why it's so challenging for us? Because that person's aggression stirs up all of my negativity. Now we can understand these specific recommendations of Jesus. I've talked to you before, I know, about turning the other cheek. Let me look at the other two he mentions in this uh, context. Listen. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. We have to go back now to Jesus' time to understand this. This is a very aggressive act of legal violence. But not unheard of in the peasant society of Jesus' time because 
A lot of poor people in that time were deeply in debt. So here's a very poor man who's found himself in debt. He's just unable to pay back what he owes. And so his creditor has taken him to court and sued him literally for the shirt on his back. That's what's going on here. You owe me big bucks. You have no money. So I'm going to take you to court and sue you for the one thing you've got, which is your coat. Well, what's the poor man to do? He can't really fight back legally. But he shouldn't run or acquiesce. Those two great responses to violence, to fight or to flee, fight or flight. Well, neither one is really recommended here. Rather, he should try to lure his aggressor into a better spiritual space. So Jesus says he should hand over his cloak as well. I see what's going on. This aggressive legal uh, creditor, this creditor, has sued the man for the coat on his back. Jesus is saying, okay, he's got the gall to do that. Stand there in court and give him your shirt as well. And stand there naked before him. You see, there's a quality of rubbing it in. (laughs) You've got the gall to do this very aggressive thing to me. What I'm going to do is up the ante. Okay, you want my cloak? Here's my shirt too. And stand there naked, exposed if you want, but more importantly, exposing the aggression and violence of this man, hoping thereby to lure him into a better space so he can see what he's doing, be shamed by it, and drawn into a better space. The second example now he gives is also intriguing in light of, uh, of his own time. It has to do with common people being pushed around by the occupying Romans. No one likes occupying powers. That's a basic human truth. And so the Jews of Jesus' time, the Romans around. So listen, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. See, here's the context. Romans were allowed, because they were the occupying power, they were allowed by a common practice to compel a Jew to carry things for them or march with them for a mile. So the Roman army moving through has to transport its goods and so on. Well, they could just press people into service. And they were allowed legally to do it for a mile. Well, wouldn't it just gall them? And perhaps shame them into seeing what they were doing if you voluntarily went the second mile? Here's someone, I mean, let's face it, who knows he's being aggressive by pressing you into service. Maybe if you went with him too, he'd be embarrassed, flummoxed, confounded, and lured thereby into a better spiritual space. Mother Teresa, there's a great story told about her. That one day in Calcutta, she came across a young girl, an orphan who was starving. She took her by the hand, brought her to her baker, and begged for a loaf of bread for the girl. The baker spat full in Mother Teresa's face. The saint responded, Thank you for that gift for me. Now perhaps something for the child?
She's not offering herself here as a doormat. She's not rolling over in the face of violence. Rather, she is actively engaging aggression so as to turn it into something new. She's loving her enemy precisely by shaming him and helping him to see what he's doing. What she engaged in was what Jesus recommends, namely a conscious and intentional strategy of engagement. Attempt to transform the wicked person from within. Hard strategy? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Will it result at times in the practitioner being taken advantage of? Uh Uh-huh. Will it cause a good deal of anguish? Yeah, of course it will. But tell me a strategy of engaging evil that doesn't involve these things. It's a hard path, yes. It's a difficult path, yes. But you see how it's the path of love. And I don't mean that sentimentally. I mean that as a very uh, strong spiritual statement. You have a last thought here. The very difficulty of this approach throws one necessarily back on God. And that's always a good thing. Compelling us to rely on grace. Because finally what Jesus is recommending here is a living out of the divine life. This constant, consistent path of love. God who shines on the good and bad alike. Because finally we are called, yes, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere.